The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. I want to tell you a story. It's a story about a scandal, broken relationships, gossip, rumors, money, corporate rivalry, and a broom. A performance-enhancing broom. My name is John Cullen. I'm a comedian, podcaster, and for 20 years, I was a semi-professional curler. And I want to tell you the story about how a single broom almost imploded the 500-year-old sport of curling. We felt like we were bringing a knife to a gunfight. It's the story of a superstar and his fall from grace. Oh, I was being dragged through the mud. It's the story of two brother entrepreneurs with a dream. <laughs> I said, that's great news. It's a story of intrigue. I still don't understand why we want to keep his name secret. The full story has never been told, so I'm going to tell it. Broomgate. How a broom almost killed curling. It was a year I'd like to forget. To listen to Broomgate, search for Broomgate in your favorite podcast app. That's all one word. Broomgate. Hey guys, Mazodcast is now on Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can join our Patreon page and get extra content from the guys, outtakes from the show, and any insider news that we have, we provide it there first. It doesn't cost much and your support helps the show. Join the Mazodcast Patreon and be part of the team. Here are our secrets. This is the Mazodcast. Howdy, Tiger fans, and welcome to the Mazodcast. I'm your host, Brendan Anthony. Joining me, as always, is my longtime brother, Colin Anthony. What's up, dum dums? Well, Colin, uh, it's a it's a rare occasion. We're coming to you after a uh, Missouri Tigers football win. The Tigers were able to uh, overcome Vanderbilt's Commodores 37-28 on Saturday in Nashville. So a road win, a road SEC conference win for the Tigers. But all that sounds good when you were watching it live. If you're like me, Colin, it didn't feel so good. Yeah, if you were hoping to uh, capitalize on the enthusiasm that the the Luther Burden commitment had had engendered, uh, it was a win, but it was a bad win versus a very bad team and you know at this point i see the people pointing this out on the the press box super friends pointing out this point online that this is no longer basically about talent and it's and it's something that i completely agree with and that you know like at some point when you're playing vanderbilt and they're giving you all you want you can't blame talent for that you know when you're getting you know 12 penalties a game you can't blame talent for that. You got guys acting like a fool, basically. You know what I mean? Like there was Parker Jr., our tight end, had a good game 
from a blocking standpoint, like I truly tried to watch this game in sort of game film way. And I was like, man, he blocks well for a tight end. There's a, there's a reason he's out there a lot, but he's also behaved like an asshole and had several penalties. You know what I mean? It's like, there is a discipline issue. These are the same sort of issues that I remember bagging on Barry Odom for towards the end. Like this team seemed undisciplined. There's penalties. The, the players kind of, you know, behavior is not always uh, what you'd want it to be. And despite Drinkwitz's awesome recruiting and sometimes innovative play calling, I feel like the, the red light on my dashboard is blinking a bit. Yeah, well, I think it also manifests itself with the penalties, which we have. I don't know. I think we're one of the top teams for uh, getting assessed penalties in the conference. And I feel like penalties are always a discipline issue as well as the, I don't know, giving up 152 yards to a backup quarterback on the ground, including two really long runs, one for 70 yards, and then like getting a meaningless tackle on second and eight. And then like pumping your chest and like pointing at people like you're some sort of hero. I think players, when they do that, when they're really bad at football and they continue to like beat their chest and like draw attention to themselves, it doesn't look like they think it looks. You look like a horse's ass. I Like I said, I tried to really watch this game and tried to watch the line play. I just tried to watch all of it a little more closely than I had, a little less over the top of my phone and a little more just let's see what's really going on. And what I noticed is that basically on every single play on both defense and offense, there's a failure. There's some little failure. You know what I mean? There's some, somebody misses a block. Somebody's out of position. I mean, there's no other way to say it. They're kind of badly coached at the moment. You know what I mean? Like it is, it, they're fundamentally having issues. I remember, you know, there's a play that, if you watch like the highlight reel on like YouTube of this game, it's where a Vanderbilt defensive player just blows up a fucking an option play. And uh, I remember seeing that game specifically because I was at mom and dad's house watching it and jumping up off the couch and be like, God damn, you're supposed to block that guy, jack off, you know, and mom and dad be like, what the? But I, I, what was his name? Griffith, I think is his name, 54, you know what I'm going to hurt. But I mean, like this guy goes in the backfield, Griffith's supposed to pull out and hit him. And uh, block him. So the next defender out on the outside, the linebacker has to decide, is he going to commit to Basilak or is he going to commit to Beatty, who he may pitch the ball to on the option? But it didn't matter because the first block never got made. And so the, the play got immediately blown up. And it just it was an offensive lineman completely missing his assignment. And another play they where they had one of those really long runs, there was a gap filled by number nine, McGuire, I think. So it wasn't his gap to fill. He was supposed to set the edge, but he didn't. He saw this player heading to the gap, and he started trying to do somebody else's job. And I can't remember the number one on the defense's last name. I can't remember, but it was his job to fill this gap. And he was there. He was going to be there. He was on his way to fill his gap. But number nine, McGuire, I think is the name. He's just, instead of mining his job and setting the edge, he tried to, for a momentarily, fill that gap. He got caught. And they ran it around the outside for a huge gain. And it's just like, do your fucking job, man. Why are you trying to fill that gap? That's not your assignment. Get out there on the edge where you're fucking supposed to be and let your teammate fill that gap. And if that play turns into a big play because you didn't fill that gap, it won't be on you. It'll be on him. Do your job. It's what Bill Belichick preaches. And as much as I may hate Bill Belichick, he understands that if you are assignment sound and you do your job, even without talent, you can be mediocre. And that's what frustrates me when I say it's bad coaching because these guys on that play was just that guy wasn't assignment sound. He didn't do his job. And it's just as I watch this game, I'm just like on every single play, at least one or two people is not doing their job. And that falls on coaching. It's so frustrating. And against Vanderbilt, it almost cost you a loss. And against Georgia, it's going to get you fucking annihilated. 
Vanderbilt had 258 yards running, and the week prior, Mississippi State, I think, had held them to nine yards rushing. And this is with a backup quarterback. We had, I think, maybe a backup running back, too. They they were a bad team, and we made them look like they were a juggernaut on offense. And the I think the disturbing thing has also been the fact that Connor Bazelak continues to regress to a point that like this, he's, he's now much worse than he ever was last season or at any other point. Like he got a, what Drinkwitz described as a soft tissue injury. He got pulled out. Macon ended up running in the final touchdown of the day for the Tigers, which ultimately iced the game. But we have a quarterback problem too. You know, I, I do not know what's going on with Baselight because what is the problem here? Like, is it the offensive line? Because it doesn't look like, sure, there are times when he's pressured and he's rushed, but he's been able to handle that in the past and he's not always rushed. Sometimes he throws interceptions and he's got plenty of time. It just was yeah, like, they're what? boneheaded. They're bonehead plays. They're just He's seeing ghosts. In some defensive base, like, I didn't see a lot of separation. Like I said, really trying to watch this game. You right. see a lot of separation from the wide receivers, you know. And I kind of like this wide receiver group, but they're not – didn't see them doing them a lot of favors. And the offensive line has – it just – the offensive line just has regressed all season. They were better – they were better game one than they are right now. You know what I mean? And you, typically, you'd think your offensive line would gel and get better, but that has not been the case. And they've, they've dealt with some injuries, obviously. And they lost Cook, who's their most experienced offensive lineman. But when I talk about those two plays, that's one on offense and one on defense. I could talk about plays all day long. You know what I mean? Like every single play, if you want to, if you could, especially if you could watch. The- We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress-them-on-the-third-date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. The 22 film from the fucking end zones, every every play they do something that's just like, why are you doing that? Who is in charge of coaching you? One of the easiest touchdowns that Vanderbilt got was a little touchdown pass to the corner of the end zone where a corner and a safety are just looking at each other being sort of like, huh? You know what I mean? Like they were both late getting there and neither one of them knew who was supposed to be there. And I'm just like, this is Vanderbilt, guys. This is game what? What are we now? Is that game eight? No, it was game eight. Yeah. Game eight? You don't know your assignments? And we got number one Georgia next weekend. And so, like I said, this is not me saying I'm against Drinkwitz or I want him fired. Like, I'm not. I'm still on I'm on team, I'm still on team Drinkwitz. But this is this team right now is badly coached. And it's not just on the defensive side of the ball. You know, they are badly coached. However you want to say it, I, I don't know. I mean, but they are they're not disciplined. They are not assignment sound. They're not playing fundamentally. I mean, 
sometimes lack of talent can be made up for just by a guy, you know, you know, the, preparedness. You on, well, you see it on a basketball court, there are guys who maybe not don't have all the uh, talent in the world, but they're willing to play defense. They're willing to rebound block they out. Do those, the, yeah. Those, they do the dirty jobs. They do it fundamentally. They block out every time, you know I mean? They do everything the coach tells them to exactly the way he tells them to. And it, they can sort of close a talent gap by doing that. And football's no different. These guys could close what we all know is a talent gap, but you can't do it playing it this way. This sloppy, disorganized, undisciplined football is never going to close the talent gap. It's only going to exacerbate it. And that's what we're seeing. And that's why you almost lost to Vanderbilt. It's why we have looked so terrible. And it's why Georgia is going to push our turds somewhere into the sternum region of our chest. The thing about this game is that it was on a trajectory to look like we were going to get healthy. We were at one point we all thought Missouri was about to go up 17 to nothing in the first quarter on Vanderbilt. We did we did score early. Uh, we had a 10 to nothing lead. We uh, block a kick and get the ball back well within the red zone and Basilek proceeds to immediately throw an interception which Vanderbilt then scores on that next possession. And it's a 10 to seven game where it could have been a 17 to nothing game. And Vanderbilt held on to momentum in the entire first half up until the miraculous Hail Mary, which not only salvaged the score and turned the momentum of the game, but it also made Connor Basilak's quarterback rating and line look a lot more respectable than it would have been. He ended up finishing 22 for 28 with 218 yards, a touchdown. That was a Hail Mary and the interception. But that's that's a mirage of a line because that was a huge, I think, 45-yard touchdown play, and it was just a fucking miracle. You know, it, yeah. it, I'm glad it worked it's, out. The thing that I noticed about it, Colin, was that, uh, you know, we'd been taking a dump on Drinkwitz's play calling at the end of the half in the past, saying that he'd kind of been gutless previously. And so he did go for it there. You know, I mean, at least he, you know, made an effort to out. score. It <laughs> turned out. And what's the harm in that, you know, that we throw an interception or gets knocked down? I mean, there is no, it's all reward, no risk. That's right. So what are they going to do? Run why, it back for a touchdown? That's why it makes, that's why it's so frustrating. It seems so gutless not to even try. You know what I mean? Like there's really, I mean, it's not a gamble here. I mean, the worst case scenario, they, they get intercepted and that guy falls down the end zone and the, the it's a touchback and the half ends. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. well, you know, I do appreciate that. But yeah, Basilac's line was as misleading as the line's ever been as far as from stats perspective. I mean, it was... It looked a lot better than the than the product on the field. There's only two reasons we even won this game against Vanderbilt. One, Tyler Beatty, who had another outstanding game, 254 yards rushing he with two touchdowns. He made himself money that day. Oh he, he made plays in that game that improved his draft stock. You know what I mean? Like, he made himself money on Saturday. When guys are bouncing off him like ping pong balls, he just proceeds to run another fucking 40 yards. Just like, well, every time he does that, you can just watch his – you can just assume he went 10 spots up in the draft. <laughs> well, he had 254 yards on the ground, including that 73-yard run and that uh, that Macon ultimately finished with his touchdown. And then he had another 40 yards through the air, and he had eight receptions. I mean, he was the entirety of our offense to the point where it's like it's a little dangerous that we rely so heavily on one guy. And the other guy that we can thank is obviously – the thicker kicker, Harrison Mevis, who I think we saw was between field goals and extra points. He's made 66 consecutive kicks. Is that, I mean, is that statistic even real? Yeah. He, him and, him and Beatty are definitely, uh, definitely bright spots, you know, and Kiki Chisholm is too. Kiki Chisholm, you know, it hasn't always been flashy, but Kiki Chisholm catches the fucking football. I won't stop preaching that need to get him more involved because he catches the football. 
he's big and he's physical and they need to they need to put more and more emphasis on him. He is one of their best players. Uh, Beatty is just uh, phenomenal. I mean, Beatty was probably, I mean, at the beginning of the season, not well known enough to even be considered a draftable player at that point. Now everybody knew he had the potential to become a draftable player in his senior season. And he definitely has, you know, if, if after game one, he became a seventh round pick after game two, he became a sixth round pick and he just keeps jumping up the draft board. Like at this point, you know, he's, he's teetering in the third round, you know, and if this, if this goes to the same, I mean, he could get into the second round, running backs rarely get drafted in the first round. And when they do, it's, they're pretty all world, but Beatty is becoming a commodity, you know, and, and we just, Larry Roundtree was the best running back, basically statistically that Mizzou had had. If you, if I had to take one right now, this is saying a lot because I love Roundtree, but I take Beatty. You know, if you only had to, if you only had to put one on your roster for sort of an all time Mizzou football team, you know, I take Beatty over, over Roundtree at this point. Beatty certainly is a more explosive runner than Roundtree was. And and what we're seeing, like you mentioned, ping-ponging off of guys, Roundtree was a strong runner, and guys had trouble tackling Roundtree. But Beatty's turning into that himself. I mean, he's hard to bring down. And then when he does get a little space, forget about it. You're not catching him. It's It's been incredibly impressive to watch to the point where it's like, okay, we got to put him now in the top five of – running backs that I ever remember at Mizzou. I mean, like he's, Oh, for me, he's, he's, he's top three. I mean, I mean, it's not even, a, I mean, he is doing things. He reminds me of Henry Josie a lot. And I, yeah. just, he's, he's phenomenal. And I wish we had anything else to go with him. You know, Kiki Chisholm is, is, is so dependent on whomever will have a quarterback. It's hard for him to sort of have a huge impact unless somebody else is having a decent game, i.e. your quarterback. Mm-hmm. And I, and I like that they're trying to give Cox carries Cox had a football or a, a touchdown taken off the board by a stupid fucking penalty. Daniel Parker Jr., thank you. But, you know, I like that he's getting more snaps. I mean, he is a, I don't, he's a big physical runner. And you can see when they hand him the ball, like he's not as fast as Beatty, but he is a, he's fast enough. And he's definitely a guy you wouldn't want to have to tackle, especially if you're, a, you know, you're a safety or a, or a, God forbid, a cornerback. I mean, he is not a guy you want to see running at you. Like, Jesus, look at the size of that cat. Yeah. Well, uh, Kiki Chisholm, you mentioned, as was the leading receiver for the Tigers. That 45-yard Hail Mary catch he made boosted his numbers. He had 95 yards receiving. Only four catches, though. And the thing that's a little disturbing with Connor Bazelak, Colin, is that he only threw to four guys on the entire day. You talk about spreading the ball around. He did not do that. And I've been disappointed how, I guess, absolutely silent Towski Dove has really been this year. I kind of was hoping to see a lot out of him. He was a guy that I thought was capable of getting separation. And he was the kind of guy I thought you would see breakout plays from. And, and it just hasn't materialized this year. And I don't know if you can blame that on him or if you blame that on Basilak just not being a very good quarterback this year. But well, I think it's a combination of things. I mean, one, Bazelak is having a terrible year. And Toski kind of came onto the scene by by being a deep threat. And uh, they don't have a deep ball right now. They don't throw deep. Their offensive line can't hold up that long. You know, I, I think because the defense has been so bad and because Bazelak has underperformed, that the, the offensive line has sort of been getting a, I don't want to call it a pass, because people have recognized that they're not playing well, but they are not playing. They just continue to play worse and worse. And it's gotten to the point where, there's a reason we're throwing so many fucking bubble screens and so many you know, screen passes and all these little gadget plays to try to, they just don't trust the offensive line to hold up for any amount of time. And the one thing I'll say about Macon is like, I don't know whether Cook or Macon will start. I know that the, the word is, is that Macon can't throw a football, which is sort of prerequisite for playing the position, but 
his ability to run added an element to our offense that makes a defense have to be more honest. Yeah, that's right. I mean, you saw the touchdown run he had. Those guys were completely befuddled by it on defense. Vanderbilt was because we had not had a, a quarterback keeper the entire game. And so they, even though Macon was now behind center, they weren't expecting it. And he just walked in untouched. And it's, uh, yeah, you're right. It can, it's we needed Basilak's in. I mean, Basilak's athletic enough to play quarterback, but he's not athletic. Uh, not in a way that make obviously. Well, he's a, he's a pure pocket passer is Basilak. And he is reluctant, I think, to ever tuck and run. And he could well, use a little bit more Matt Corral in him if he's really going to have any success. And I think, you know, the train may have left the station on Basilak. I think we're looking for new answers. Yeah, I do too. And I, it's disappointing because the things that really made me excited about Basilak was essentially his poise and his accuracy. And both seem to have completely lost him. Mm-hmm. You know I mean, he seems like he's, there isn't any poise. He's seeing ghosts. You know what I mean? Like he's, he's got happy feet. He's, he's a fainting goat back there right now. And, and the accuracy, I mean, one of the things I loved about him is I watched him, you know, move outside the pocket and throw with accuracy. And he's not, he's throwing behind people. He's overthrowing people. He's throwing stuff at people's feet. Like he's become a scatter gun. The, the poise and the accuracy that had me so optimistic for Baselack both seemed to have just completely evaporated. Well, and I said before this game, Colin, that if we did somehow lose to Vanderbilt, that Steve Wilkes had to go. You know, this was unforgivable. And, and you mentioned, you know, the talent can't explain away being one of the worst defenses in all of division one football and i do think you know we we gave up 28 points to vanderbilt we gave up i think about 380 yards of total offense to vanderbilt the same vanderbilt team that only put up nine yards rushing the week before and we're 39 point underdogs coming into this game against georgia and it as a tiger fan you feel like 39 may not be it you know what i mean like we we may get beat by <laughs> 50 points. Who knows, you know? And and when you feel that way, there are deep problems. And I wonder if it's just Steve Wilkes. Steve Wilkes is clearly inept at doing the job of being a defensive coordinator at the college level. He cannot do it. We've seen enough. And on top of that, I, I just wonder if there's a locker room problem. Like, have we lost the locker room because nobody's doing anything? And besides all of the stuff we're talking about, Colin, there every game there's points where you see players – either just like walking or jogging and like they don't really care. There's a definite effort gap as well as a talent gap. Like they're not putting in a hundred percent every week. Yeah, like and, I said, the problems I see come down to mostly discipline and, and, and that typically comes down to coaching and yeah, it's, it's disheartening. It's disheartening. And I don't think it, it does certainly despite a win, it doesn't give me any optimism going into the, these other games, you know, I mean, even after if, I mean, South Carolina may basically our best last hope at a win. You know, unless they're unless they figure out something fast, it's a. Uh, but I will say this: if, if Bayslack doesn't start, you know, nothing, nothing can invigorate a team or sink a team like a backup quarterback. You know what I mean? It's a, it can change your fortunes. Not that we could beat Georgia, but I mean, it could be a good thing. It could also make us even less effective on offense. But there is sort of that rally around the backup thing that that's that's a real thing and especially if that backup has got some mobility or bring some electric some excitement i mean beyond Beatty, this team is boring and there's nothing uh, new under the sun with these guys it's it's time for a change of pace and the, and one of the biggest ways you can change a change is, is with your quarterback i mean there's no it's a big it's the most important position on the field well and the bar is so low against georgia i mean if we lose by 20 it'll be viewed as missouri's uh, really seeming to gel under this new quarterback, but we don't know that Macon will be the quarterback or even Cook. It could be Bazelak is healthy, and I mean, what does a soft tissue injury even mean? Drinkwitz's post-game press conference, 
the thing that's starting to concern me a little bit is that you get asked these questions about, hey, why was this guy was seemed like he was clearly out of position or what happened on this play where he gave up 70 yards to a guy in a wheelchair. And Drinko's in his press conference, he gets asked these questions and he always says, well, I'll have to go back and look at the tape. And it's like, wait, weren't you on the sidelines? Didn't you see what we all saw? The reason he's asking this question is we saw something terrible happen and you don't have an answer for it right now. You're going to have to review and analyze this before you can figure out why we completely colossally fucked up and every fan watching at home or at the stadium saw it. You need to look at the tape every week. He says it. Well, Brennan, I mean, I don't know. I, some, the press conference, I mean, they're just never going to give you what you want in those press conferences. I'm sure he did see it. What concerns me is they don't really seem to know how to address it. And like, again, it's just, why is everybody out of position? You know what I mean? Why are we in game eight and we don't know who we're covering? Why are we not assignment sound? Why are we not a gap sound? Why on all, that includes the offense. I mean, I, we, I, you know, why are the linemen late pulling out to make their block? What is going on? You know what I mean? Like at some point, Talent doesn't make you not know how to play your position or know where to be. You know what I mean? That is, that's, that's film study. You know what I mean? That's effort. That's not talent. How quickly you hit a gap is dependent on how fast you can run. But knowing what gap to, to fill is just knowing your assignment. But that's what I mean when I say that he, you know, when he says every week that he has to look back at the tape. If it was one week or two weeks, I would say, okay, well, he's just blowing smoke up our ass and he's going to get this fixed. And next week we'll see it be better, but it doesn't get better. And so it does make me think, well, maybe he looks at the tape and he still doesn't fucking know. You know what I mean? (laughs) I I don't know. I I don't want to turn on him either, uh, but they do seem like an uncoached football team and they have all season long. They don't just seem like a talentless football team. They seem like an uncoached football team. And I think... That's a real problem because you can bring in all the Luther burdens you want, but if you don't know how to coach them, how can we win? Yeah, that's right. Because right now, we all know what this kind of season is, but it's the season of Hobocom. Hobocom. <laughs> I think on that note, we're ready to take our first break, and we'll come back with your voicemails, and then we'll go around the horn with the SEC. This is the Mazotcast. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Well, Colin, it's time for our symbol market report. As we mentioned in our last episode, we had bought $500 worth of team stock and you've spread it around. How's it looking? Not great, Brennan. Not great. (laughs) Turns out I'm no better at uh, an investment strategy when it comes to sports than I am at uh, gambling just directly on games. Is that right? (laughs) But, Brennan, listen, part of the reason I like symbol is we're playing a long game here. You know what I mean? Like this is about – I'm buying teams that I don't necessarily expect to do good this week you know i mean you can do that that's what's great about this is you can do the you can buy alabama and you can buy the buffalo bills and you can make your little bit of money with every win that they get because they're going to have lots of them but like i said i'm invested in teams that i see that i think that are going to make me money down the road and so i'm playing the long game a little bit here i'm treating it just like my 401 k 401k or just that's just a number you have no 401k yes incorrect but Mm -hmm. anyway so uh but right now brennan 
I guess considering we spent five hundred dollars, we're only down a dollar and eighty seven cents, so we're doing okay. <laughs> well, and the thing that uh, I would like to mention because I think it's a key part symbol is that there are win payouts regardless of what your individual team stock is sitting at at any point. You know, we made I think we have three shares of Mizzou symbol stock and uh, they pay 50 cents a win so we made a dollar 50 just from beating vanderbilt so you talk about being down a little bit you're gonna get it all back just from your team pulling out some wins and that's the thing about buying an alabama or somebody like that is that or georgia for god's sakes the win bonus is going to get you back healthy no matter what. And so we do recommend going to Symbol. Uh, we've been playing it ourselves. You can become teammates of ours by uh, setting up your account. And- hey, Brennan. So I just wanted to uh, let our listeners know that Mizzou currently, I mean, we bought Mizzou at $39.88. They're currently trading at $40.68. The win really paying off for us. And hey, Brennan, one of our biggest winners, one of our biggest payouts, KU football. <laughs> they were trading at ten dollars and thirty eight cents. Now they're trading at ten dollars and seventy six cents. So <laughs> nailed it to the moon. You, you questioned me. You know, you questioned me when I bought that that share of uh, of KU, but uh, football. But you, but uh, jokes on you. Yeah, that's right. So use the promo code M I Z Z O U Mizzou, and you can also get a five hundred dollar sign up bonus when you make a deposit. And uh, like I said, become teammates on the Symbol app, and we can follow each other's picks, see who's making the most money. Yeah. I expect honestly, to get rich at this. Yeah, honestly, if you're into sports and you like gambling, like you're crazy not to do this. They're literally going to give you five hundred bucks, and like while you can't withdraw that five hundred dollars, anything you make off that five hundred dollars is yours to keep. Free money. Yeah, it is literally free money. And like I said, if you like gambling and you like sports, you're silly not to do it. And like I said, use the promo code and get those free dollar bills, y'all. Symbol, motherfuckers. are back colin as always the listeners had a lot of thoughts about this mizzou win it's not always a win but uh, this week we got a win but they still i think they had some of the same concerns we did so i'm ready to get into it now if you are it's time for the mizzoucast mailbag here's the mail it never fails it makes me want to wag my tail when it comes i want to wail fuck a duck blocked punt can't get anything out of it. Bazelak throws an interception. Vandy marches down the field. This is Hobo Come. Hobo Come. M-I-Z. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what we were referring to. And I have to, I have a feeling that a lot of our listeners will note the, you know, massive 14 point swing that happened at that point and basically dumped us into the toilet for the rest of the half until the Hail Mary. What's up, you fucking idiots? First off, Connor Bazelak sucks. I'm tired of fucking hearing about him. I'm tired of fucking watching him play. Second off, is it just me? Like, am I just fucking biased against this fucking guy or what? But every time fucking this Blaze Aldridge fucking bumblecock is on the fucking field, some hobo cum fucking bullshit. Hobo cum. Fucking happens. <laughs> son of a bitch it sure on does. The fucking field already. Fuck. Go fuck yourselves. Bye. <laughs> Thanks, Phil. Yeah. Yeah, Chad Bailey is clearly a better linebacker. 
Connor Bazelak is hobo cum. Hobo cum. <laughs> Just had one last sure thought. Is. You know, I thought of a uh, a new drink that's uh, representative for this season. We're going to call it the Mizzou Martini. It's going to be equal parts hot dog water. Hot dog water. And hobo cum. Hobo cum. Uh, shake it, not stirred. <laughs> Add your favorite alcohol choice because this season's dog shit. M-I-Z. Can you get drunk off a of hobo cum? I, well, he said add an alcoholic drink. But, I mean, I guess if a hobo drinks enough alcohol, perhaps. You know, hobos that's, love their booze. That's why I ask. We are losing to motherfucking Vanderbilt 14-10. to 10, And drink with is not fucking playing favorites here. Bazelak is fucking hot garbage. Hot garbage. He's hobo cum. Hobo cum. He is fucking horrible. The regression is honestly sad. The the high hopes we had for Basilac at the start of this year and last year, and he's just regressed so fucking badly. He is just horrible now, and I don't know what the fuck happened, but this dude is not at all what we saw last year, calm in the pocket and poised and decisive, and he just fucking can't hit fucking anything at all. He can't fucking throw five-yard passes. He can't fucking hit shit, so... Yeah, I'm fucking done. This is the lowest. This may be the lowest point in Mizzou football since we've been in the SEC, quite frankly. So, uh, it may be the worst point since we've been in the SEC. I mean, I don't remember ever being 39 point dogs to any conference foe. Well, it's looking like we're going into halftime, 10-14. It won't go that way. Have you guys seen this Squid Game? Everyone's talking about. <laughs> anyway, I'll hang up and listen. Yeah, yeah, that Phil was talking about the uh, book he was le- reading a couple weeks ago, and now this guy wants to talk Squid Games, and you know, it might get into that. Like this week, Colin, we're playing Georgia. The outcome is not in doubt. Like maybe we're going to have to start watching Squid Game and discussing it, or or something. What's up, you old couple of cod suckers? Carolina jackpot coming at you. Seventeen fourteen looks like is the score. Missouri at halftime. Over Vanderbilt, uh, I took you guys with the nine and a half point line to cover. No, don't do that. Half, and uh, you dicked me, so thank you very much for yep. that. But uh, you guys should be blowing them fucking out. Playing close game against Vanderbilt at halftime is reserved for teams like South Carolina. Get out of your damn funk. Blow them the fuck out in the second half. I don't want to hear about the weather. I don't give a shit that it fucking rained here. It rained everywhere in college football today, okay? And just take care of damn business today. Half, with five minutes left in this game, I want to see Eli Driglitz on the sideline getting interviewed by one of these fucking SEC network female reporters about what his goddamn favorite fucking Halloween candy is and uh, or, or his least favorite. And judging from the look of him, uh, his least favorite Halloween candies would probably be the good ones. Uh, you know, Reese Cups, uh, fucking Zero Bars, Snickers, Kit Kats, and um, definitely Boston Baked Beans. I'm sure he fucking hates Boston Baked Beans right now. <laughs> you see what I did there? M-I-Z-C-O-M-E-N-U. Let's rock it, bitches. All right. I think you may have gotten cut off there. But uh, Carolina Jackpot, we, Missouri is now officially 0-8 versus the spread this year. Don't ever, ever take our Tigers this season. My God. That's yeah, a surefire way to lose money. definitely showing you how to get make money off of them. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> it's not. It's not by it's taking not them. What you're, 
Yeah. I don't know whether to laugh or cry after that Hail Mary. Good Lord. I guess the only thing we got going for us is at least we're not Vandy. <sighs> after anger comes apathy. M-I-Z. Look what happens when you don't walk off the field to end the half. Bingo. Give your guys a chance. Hashtag improvement. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You try, and sometimes it helps, which is uh, really antithetical to the Mazodcast motto, which is never try. Yeah, that's right. You can't fail if you don't try, brother. That's what I tell my kids. <laughs> you want to know what's better than the stock market? Betting against Mizzou. M-I-Z, boys. That's what we're talking about. It's been uh, guaranteed this year. that We've underperformed in wins, and we've lost worse than we thought we would. Yeah, I don't care that we won this game. We're not winning another game all year. We look bad. Let's go, baby. Making for president. Fuck Connor Bedazzle Tech. He is horrible now. I'm riding the making me all the way to the national championship, baby. Let's fucking go. Hot garbage. Hot garbage. <laughs> well, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't hop on that train. I enjoyed watching Mizzou's final win this season. It was fun and painful and sad at all one sales swoop. And also, I'm taking Georgia over to points next week because it's going to be a bloodbath. It will be a bloodbath. and I mean, 39 is a lot of points, but I can see after being 0-8 versus Red and not looking good against Vanderbilt, while somebody would look at that and be like, you know what? I'll take it. I, I, give Georgia 39 points. They're still going to win this thing. We kind of teased out a week or two ago about, I guess it was a week ago, when Luther Burden did sign with Mizzou, and that was the highlight of the year, really, in a lot of ways, as this is a lost season. Homocom. It produced quite a bit of Sour Grapes tweets, and Alabama and Georgia fans particularly, and I think there may have been scattered others who thought they had a shot at Luther Burden, were kind of ticked either at him or at Mizzou for this turn of events. And we're doing, we want to do something that uh, we haven't been able to do because of our on-field play this year. It's to play Sour Grapes. Am I right? You betcha. Let's do that. What you got there, Sour Grapes? You got a grip of Sour Grapes. Oh, them Sour Grapes. You brought them Sour Grapes. Sour Grapes, Sour Grapes. You got them Sour Grapes. Oh, Sour Grapes. You brought a grip of Sour Grapes. Oh, I miss that theme song. Well, what have you got for us, Colin? Re the Luther Burden signing at Mizzou, throwing Alabama and Georgia hats onto the dirty ground. Oh, uh, let's see. I just I just have a few here. Jay Bryant sent us a few. And, uh, okay, so, Brendan, first is uh, Paco P uh, at Twitter. He says, MU has an absolute rock-solid history with five-star wideouts. Just a bang-up job with Doriel Green Beckham. So, uh yeah, there's some sour grapes for you. Sour grapes. Yeah, and it's definitely Mizzou's uh, fault that Doriel Greenbeckham couldn't stop selling weed and getting into accidents. Yeah, and couldn't quit shoving his girlfriend into door frames and shit. You know what I mean? Like he was a Beckham was a shithead, and uh, but he did ball out when he was playing. You know what I mean? Like he was a good player. I don't know if that. Uh, and he also, you know, you know who else couldn't get his head screwed on straight? The NFL. You know, so maybe he was just a turd. Next, pretty simple. One ten Aggie put. What is he thinking? Sour grapes. I guess he's thinking he wants to stay home and play for his alma or his his, his home state team, uh, the Mizzou Tigers. I'm just thinking, going on a limb. Strawberry forty four put. Wonder how much they paid him. Sour grapes. Yeah, it has to have been paid. 
yeah, he's he's they're they're assuming Mizzou went the Kansas route to get this player. Yeah, because Mizzou's known for having tons and tons and tons of money and paying players and getting lots of five star recruits because of all the briefcases full of cash they fork over. You definitely think of Mizzou when you think of that scenario. Yeah, that's right. Light Skin Assassin wrote <laughs> the last five stars to go there didn't fare so well. Laugh emoji. Sour grapes. Another reference to Darrell Green Beckham. I'm shocked that these guys are so uh, well versed in our uh, you know players from a decade ago. You know what I mean? Like, well, they, I feel like they can't remember the scores of games we played against them for one year, but uh, they remember who was recruited ten years ago to play wide receiver. I I chalk this up when you get multiple tweets with that same sort of attitude or just referencing the same thing. It's that they all read the same stupid article on their local team's Bleacher Report. And yep, they, they, sure. they learned who Doriel Green Beckham was by reading that article while they were taking a dump. And now they're experts on Mizzou football and their history of recruiting. Yep, I agree. At Leonardo da Vinci wrote. No, oh, I'm interested to hear what he love. had. Oops, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. He is going to love rocking that Birmingham Bowl in their good years. Sour grapes. I actually kind of appreciate this one. It's kind of a nice, kind of a nice burn. But, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, I'm, I'm, I'm would remind him that we've we've played in Cotton Bowl too, you know what I mean? Yeah, when when the last 10 well, 2007-2013 people nobody remembers this except Mizzou fans, but we were a game away from the national championship. So our ceiling is maybe not the Birmingham Bowl, but I understand where he's coming from, but it doesn't make it not salad grapes. That's right. Ben 123482715. I love guys who make this their Twitter handle. Mhm. Not a bot. He'll never be heard from again. Salad grapes. So mark it in the books, guys. He's not going to make a single reception. He'll never see the field. He's just going to disappear like dust in the wind. Yeah, it's de- <laughs> I like it when there's, you know, there's guys that are coming out of like Division II schools, you know, in places that you've never heard of going into NFL and having success because they're simply good talent or maybe they developed late or something didn't get recruited but like you don't have to go to alabama to go to the nfl it's not required and i think luther bird knows that he's gonna drift away like hobo come into a storm grate underneath the queensboro bridge hobo come alex caphorn 1776 i bet this guy is great fun at a party not bad uh anyway caphorn 1776 says he will flip to bama or he has putrid grades and a discipline problems, lost his offer, or he actually never actually had one. I'm like, yeah, because Bama never takes people with bad grades or discipline problems. They wouldn't do that for a supreme talent like Luther Burden. <laughs> Salad grades. Yeah, that's a ridiculous kind of like the SEC is known for like benching guys for having bad grades. You know, and grades are foremost. Football's way down the list in the SEC. Grades are the yeah. top priority. Yeah, that's right. That's right. He's got bad grades, so Bama didn't want him. They pulled his commitment, Brennan. That's right. Five-star wide out, but he, <laughs> he, got, he got a D grades. in biology, so no thanks. Yeah. No, thank you. We'll take the uh, 5'10 kid who runs a 6'2", 40-yard dash to play wide receiver. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, he got an A in French. <laughs> that's right. He knows the difference between sine and cosine, so <laughs> yeah. get him on this field. That allergy season, bruh, tweeted, LOL. Why do this to yourself? There are reasons why teams like Georgia and Bama are NFL factories, LOL. Salad grapes. Really he can't go to the NFL because he went to Mizzou. I mean, like, Mizzou's got quite a few players in the NFL. So I just, uh, I mean, just like, LOL, forget playing professionally now. What I don't understand, Colin, is if you are a Georgia or an Alabama fan, so you missed out on one big recruit to Mizzou. Like, 
big fucking deal. You know what I mean? Like they they've got plenty of recruits. Georgia's number one in the country, and you're belly aching about this pick. Like, don't you have better things to do? Like, you're on the verge of a national title. You should be happy about everything, and yet you're still sending douchey tweets out. Like, people suck. At I like sports seventeen wrote. Now they can lose to Tennessee 62 to 49. <laughs> Laugh emoji. Sour grapes. I mean, I guess I'll allow it because we got housed by them this year, but that really hasn't been indicative of our career against Tennessee. But uh, anyway, we're going to lose 62 to 49 with Luther Burden to uh, Tennessee. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see about that. Easy Bama wrote, damn, sucks to hear. He's going to be a bust. Sour grapes. Yeah, that's true. That's true. He's going to be a bust because we don't use wide receivers at Mizzou. <laughs> the idea that you could uh, only go to one or two schools and have success. That's fucked up. At P44, Haynes says, hope you like single digit win seasons. Sour grapes. All right, well, moving on. Uh, <laughs> this one, this one got me personally because I didn't realize Arkansas even thought they were in the running. But Hogs fan Mike said, "This is why Pittman has to go. Losing top players to misery. Wink, wink. <laughs> misery. Can't recruit. Lost three in a row. Hotsy? Question mark. Woo, pig, suey. Sour grapes. Yeah. Nice to see that Pittman's finally starting to catch a little heat." Yeah, I like that this Sour Grapes tweet was really just bitching about Pittman. Well, I mean, they came on so strong early that I think they thought that maybe they had skipped a step. You know, as as Drinkwood Mm -hmm. said, said that, you know, you don't get to skip any steps. And our first step was obviously rolling around in cow diarrhea. We mentioned that. (laughs) Yeah, we we face painted and piles of shit is is part of the process. You know, good for Arkansas for starting to jump into the manure. Yeah, come join us. There's plenty of room. ATL Sports wrote, he'll decommit. Simply, he'll decommit, and that's all he wrote. He's pretty confident that uh, he'll just, you know, say, fuck this place. I don't want to do this. Sour grapes. Yeah, just why? Why would you think that? Why wouldn't he just commit to your team now if he was going to commit to your team now? Why would he throw the team's hat on the ground and then commit to you later? Fuck off. Big Dog for Life 93 put Missouri frown emoji i guess he wants to be a big fish in a little pond maybe i don't know what he wants other than to play for mizzou and not you fuck off (laughs) (laughs) i eat shit worthy wet break geez louise brah what the entire fuck did mizzou tell that kid he not signing there ain't no fucking way this is post signing Sour great. Yeah, yeah, he's not signing to the place he's he signed. just signed. He's there. You know, it's it's, <laughs> it's happened. This thing, these things have happened. Yeah. So. Well, he's committed. He hasn't signed, but I mean. Yeah, I mean, like I guess that's true. I guess you, my apologies, Swerve Wetbra. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, Jennifer Fleming put, "He will be in the portal after a year." Laugh emoji. Sour well, grapes. Great. I guess that's possible. It's a lot of Nostradamuses on Twitter, I've noticed. Yeah, exactly. And, uh, Brendan, we're just going to wrap it up there. I'm sure there's lots more, but uh, that would require me doing some, making some effort towards the show. And you mm-hmm. know how I feel about that. So, yeah. thank you, Jay Bryan, for providing those. And, uh, you know, thank you, Luther Burden, for shining so we can do it. So quiet. Yeah, it has been a highlight of the season. We needed it desperately because things were looking bleak. And like I said it last week. 
you know, could save the program for fuck's sake. All right, Colin, why don't we uh, cheer ourselves up by looking at some good football around the rest of the SEC? There wasn't a lot because a lot of teams had bye weeks, like that, just like last week, and we did. But there were still some interesting games played. So let's go around the horn with the SEC. We we break our bread at Waffle House. Our teams are pretty good. We even play some basketball when Jesus says we should. So pour a little bourbon and repeat right after me. Built a church for Saturdays and called it SEC. Jesus loves football. And Colin, would you boot up the Paul Feinbot? Yes, sir. <laughs> Nick Saban, Alabama, Alabama. All right, thanks for joining us, Paul. Thank you, Mizzou Cast Podcast. Colin, the first game I have on the docket is the Mississippi State versus Kentucky game. Mississippi State won this one 31 to 17. Kentucky came in number 12 in the country, sitting at six and one. They lost badly to uh, the Bulldogs of Mississippi State in Starkville. Um, what do you think this does to Kentucky's outlook on the way the season's going? Well, I mean, I mean, Kentucky's still going to make a nice bowl. They're six and two, but I mean, like. I, you know, Kentucky's Kentucky, and I hate to say that because I I do look at Kentucky sort of as a Mizzou esque program. I think Mizzou's a better program ultimately, but the I'm not sure about that. Just aren't, yeah, I know, Paul, but I just feel like their highs are not as high as they'd like to be, and um, and truthfully, they're not going to win the SEC East. And no, uh, no, that's you know tough shit. I mean, I'll tell you. I mean, like that's. It, Thank God Mizzou did it twice. I mean, we're always going to have that in our back pocket. Well, it's an interesting one to me because Mississippi's not particularly good. They're 5-3 and three now. It was an impressive win over Kentucky. They uh, put up 17 third-quarter points to basically ice this thing. Mike Leach needed this, I think. He wasn't having a lot of traction there at Mississippi State yet. And so this was a big win, a, you know, a number 12 team coming in and getting a sizable win on the road. So it does sort of deflate the Kentucky bubble much the same way we were talking about Arkansas before. But another weird one with the two West teams, Ole Miss and Auburn went head to head. This one was at Auburn. Uh, much like Kentucky, Ole Miss sat at six and one. They were number 10 in the country, but Auburn has been a little bit more potent than Mississippi State. They're number 18. They were five and two coming into this game and they looked dominant the whole way through. I mean, Lane Kiffin continues to go for it on fourth and short, and it's I think he was 0 for 3 in the red zone on fourth downs this game, and uh, it hurt him badly. They lost 31 to 20. Yeah, well, I can, I can appreciate I mean, of course, after this game, it may not be that way, but I think this, the, the data nerds will tell you that going for it on fourth down makes a lot of sense. Maybe not in the red zone when you got an easy uh, field goal, but I don't yeah. begrudge the, the aggressive nature. It's sort of one of those things I liked about Drinkwitz, and one of the things that had frustrated me, like I say, we wouldn't go for things to be in the half. Like, hey, we want you to be aggressive. We want you to be aggressive. And I think you can't be too hard on the coach because I think most fans want to be aggressive. They want to go for a four down. They want to blitz. They want to do those things that are uh, risky. And uh, so you can't get on your coach's ass when he's just doing what the fans want. Yeah, and I think Matt Corral may have put some serious damage in his Heisman hopes by throwing a yeah. brutal late interception whenever they were trying to make a, a late comeback and yeah. turn it around. So Adios. I was never – I was never a buyer on Matt Corral, and then this season he's he'd been good and it was a Heisman hopeful. I'm like, yeah, maybe I'm just wrong, but like I feel like 
if Matt Corral is your the best of the best at quarterbacks and you, this is what you need to win a Heisman, I just feel like it must be a bad year for quarterbacks. Well, Bo Nix looked pretty damn good for Auburn, and he has looked good the last three weeks. So ultimately, I think um, you know Bo Nix might be the better quarterback. I don't know. I don't know. He was that day. And then Georgia and Florida went head-to-head, the world's largest outdoor cocktail party, and I really enjoyed this one. Colin, Georgia defeated the Florida Gators 34-7. to <laughs> And Dan yeah, Mullen's and in I trouble. Told you to take this bet. I would have told you to take this one. I mean, I, I, I knew that Georgia was going to cover any spread. Like, I just knew Kirby Smart wanted to curb stomp Florida. Because they are, if, if there's a team that they that could somewhat challenge their supremacy of the East, it was Georgia. And nobody likes Dan Mullen. I mean, nobody. And so I just figured this was going to be a curb stomping. And it was. Yeah, Dan Mullen is in trouble right now. He's on the hot seat for sure. And I mean, I don't think he's going to yeah, get fired this year. Fella. But yeah, uh, he's not a likable fella and he's going to get fired. And uh, I hope he enjoys Texas Tech. <laughs> yeah, he's a big douchebag. His press conference made things worse because he was saying basically that, like, you got to ask about recruiting, whether there was a talent gap at Georgia or Florida. And he's like, well, we won last year. And they're like, mm, well, great. You know what I mean? Thanks for counting last year's wins. And then he said, well, we'll talk yeah. about recruiting in the offseason. This is game playing season. I'm like, not in the SEC. It's always fucking recruiting season. And everybody knows it, you big douchebag. Mm-hmm. I feel like as a uh, professional football coach that Dan Mullen probably knows that it's a what are you done for me lately kind of business. So to, to bring up last year doesn't do a whole – I mean, ask, ask o- Ed Ogeron how that works. Motherfucker went, like, what, 15-0 and won a national championship, and he's about ready to fucking be sent away on an iceberg. You know what I mean? You like, should be fired. Uh, nobody gives a shit. Nobody gives a shit what you did last year. You know, it is a what are you done for me lately business. And Mullen knows that. He's just such a colossal prick he can't admit it. You're right about that. And then we uh, obviously had Missouri's big win over Vanderbilt. And so let's look ahead to uh, next week, week 10 in college football. A lot more games on the slate. Liberty is coming to play Ole Miss. This is going to be an interesting one, as we all know the coach at Liberty is one Hugh Freeze, the former coach of Ole Miss. Yeah, I I would expect Ole Miss to put it on them, not just because – Hugh Freeze used to coach at Ole Miss, but just because Lane Kiffin is such a, uh, you know, a guy who loves cocaine and, and, and a party lifestyle. And then they're playing Liberty University, who literally, uh, you get like suspended from school for having intercourse. Oh, I think just you know, over the, over the jeans fingering. Yeah. It's, it, yeah. It's big, big, yeah. Dry humping. <laughs> they're firmly again it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> anyway, it. I, any, any chance Liberty University can get their shit kicked in, I'm always all for that. And uh, same with Hugh Freeze, because the university and Hugh Freeze both are just uh, sort of built of hypocrisy. <laughs> well, Liberty is 7-2, and two, and Ole Miss is only a 9.5-point favorite in this one. Yeah, Liberty's supposed to be good this year. So, But I, you know, like I said, I, I want them to lose badly because uh, they don't deserve to win at anything. Paul, who have you got? Ole Miss. Okay. I think Ole Miss will win this one as well. And I agree. I think Lane Kiffin is going to stick it to Freeze. All right. Uh, Auburn, number 12 now, Auburn, at sitting at 6-2 and two after their big win over Ole Miss, is taking on Texas A&M in Kyle Field College Station. Texas A&M is number 13. 12 versus 13. They both sit at 6-2. and two. Texas A&M is a four-and-a-half-point favorite at home. Bo Nix and Auburn have looked good. I'm inclined to pick them. A&M has such a colossal uh, reputation for bedwetting. I don't trust them. You know what I mean? I, and I know that they've been better since uh, 
since someone left, but they haven't been that much better. No, and I don't think that I'm at, they beat us handily, but that doesn't say anything. Everybody has been. Auburn looked to me last weekend to be the better team, in my opinion. Paul, who have you got? Auburn. Okay, we're all in agreement there. Mississippi State, after their big win over the weekend, is going to Arkansas. They are uh, playing the 3 o'clock game on the SEC Network. Arkansas is favored by five points in this one. I don't know what to think about that. I mean, uh, Arkansas has had a rough go of it lately, but they have looked impressive at times. Mississippi State, obviously, they won last week against Kentucky. Weren't expected to, but looked good. Who have you got in this, Colin? I'm going to go with Mississippi State. Just simply because I hate Arkansas. Mm-hmm. No, I understand that. I this is not a game I'd want to bet on because I just don't. I still don't feel like I haven't watched much at all of Mississippi State this year. And Arkansas, they've been hit and miss. When they play good teams, they don't look as good. You know, that's basically what yeah. we've learned. Paul, who do you like? Arkansas. Hmm. Interesting. Must be a Pittman fan. LSU is going to be taking on Alabama. Normally, this is a big game for the SEC on most seasons, but LSU is down in the dumps. That is a lame duck coach and Ed Ogeron sitting at four and four. Alabama, seven and one. They do look a little more vulnerable than in some years past, but they're number three in the country and they should have no problem with LSU, I wouldn't think. Neither does Vegas. They've got the line at 28 and a half points. Yeah, this seems right. LSU looks like trash. <laughs> you think that you think Alabama can cover? That kind of spread, four touchdowns and plus? Against against a bad LSU team, yeah, because I think LSU and Alabama hate one another, and I totally see Saban wanting to give uh, Ogeron the business. You know, like, hey, you had your year. You had your fancy little year where you won your fancy little national championship, but just always remember who daddy is, and Saban's going to take off his belt and bend Ogeron over. <laughs> Prepare for a paddling, you thick-necked bastard. <laughs> Nick Saban, Nick Saban, Alabama, Alabama. Alabama. No, he got overheated. No, it happens sometimes when Alabama's looking at a big yeah, win. That's true. Let's see if I can fix him here. Reboot. Reboot. Okay, we got him back online. All right, uh, Kentucky now number eighteen in the country, six and two, taking on Tennessee at home, Kroger Field, Lexington, six p.m. game on ESPN two. This is a close one. Kentucky is a one point favorite over Josh Heupel's Tennessee Volunteers. I don't know. I I really don't know who's going to win this game. I, I understand why it's a one point spread. Yeah, yeah, I agree. It's a. Uh, I wouldn't bet this game. Paul, who have you got? Tennessee. Okay. I'll yeah. take Tennessee in that too. The way they handled us and Mizzou kind of gave Kentucky all they wanted. I'll, I'll just go with Tennessee. I think it might be the smart bet. And then the final game I have here uh, is Florida taking on South Carolina. Florida's on the road. South Carolina is hosting them. Uh, Florida is an 18 point favorite. Dan Mullen can get healthy against this lousy South Carolina team. I think this could be a boring one. 18 points sounds right to me. Yeah, I think South Carolina is very Mizzou esque. Paul, I think I know the answer to this. Florida. Yeah, I think we're all in agreement there. So the actual final game of this, the docket is the one we're going to, I mean, I don't know if I care about it or not. Missouri is going to number one Georgia. Georgia sits at eight and oh. Missouri's four and four after our big win. Playing the number one team in the country, we still draw the 11 o'clock start time. We deserve it. 38 is the line I see currently. I think it opened at 39. I, I, I have no hope. I, have no, I don't really even want to watch this game. It's going to be so fucking ugly. Yep, I agree. It's going to be disastrous. Georgia. 
Georgia. We know, Paul. We know. So, I mean, honestly, I'm treating it like a bye week, Colin. we got to take our lumps against Georgia and then, you know, just get to South Carolina and see if we can get, eke out a five-win season. Yeah, I'll get past this one and then uh, see if we can do some things after Georgia. The hapless yeah. Tigers continue to inch toward the bottom of the SEC. Well, Vanderbilt's firmly at the bottom, but we're, we're, in, we're in the neighborhood. All right, that'll do it for Around the Horn. We've been talking a lot of football this week, but there's important news that we need to cover and do every week as well. It's time, once again, for Kansas News. I always heard there were three kinds of suns in Kansas. Sunshine, sunflowers, sons of bitches. This is Kansas News. First story for the day, Colin. Kansas man pleads guilty to water facility tampering. A Topeka, Kansas man pled guilty to tampering with a computer system at a drinking water treatment facility in Ellsworth County, Kansas. Wyatt Travis Nick, age 23, of Lorraine, Kansas, pleaded guilty to one count of tampering with a public water system and one count of reckless damage control to a protected computer system during unauthorized access. I think my biggest question here is that Kansas's water system was controlled by computers? Yeah, but it's one of those with like vacuum tubes and like and like giant light bulbs and Tesla <laughs> Coil. uh, coils on it. Yeah, you know what I mean? Like it's not the computer you're familiar with, Brennan. Yeah, they have to change out the spools of tape once in a while. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Put in punch cards. <laughs> it's the computer from uh from those from like the the television shows from the, like the 1960s basically. Yeah, according to uh, court documents, the Post Rock Rural Water District hired Travernick in 2018 and his duties included monitoring the water plant after hours using a remote login system. He resigned his position in January of 2019 and later the remote login system was used to shut down the plant and turn off one of its filters. Investigators established that his cell phone had been used to perpetuate the intrusion and the phone was in his possession at the time of the shutdown. He told investigators he was intoxicated and did not remember anything the night of March 27th. So, I mean, he's using the old Kansas defense. I was too drunk to remember. I just wonder, like, if you shut down the filters on Kansas water, does it somehow make it cleaner? Because <laughs> we know how filthy and fucking shit-filled it is when it's just, just all the time. Yeah, that's true. I mean, half of our Kansas news stories are about people drinking tainted water. How bad could it be? <laughs> yeah, no doubt. The next story, Kansas man sentenced to three years in prison for engaging in $900,000 foreign currency Ponzi scheme. A Kansas man who executed an elaborate foreign currency Ponzi scheme that took in more than $900,000 from investors was sentenced today to 36 months in prison. Thomas Lanzana, age 54, of Wichita, pled guilty before a U.S. District Judge after being charged with wire fraud. Judge Vasquez imposed the sentence today in a federal court. According to the documents, Lanzara fraudulently solicited approximately $900,000 from at least 20 customers to invest in what he claimed were highly successful algorithm-based trading pools in foreign currency derivatives and other financial instruments. I think the guy just came in and started using fancy investing words and Kansans just started handing over money and prairie dog pelts. Yeah, they're like, yeah, there's like we, we only invest in prairie dog rendering companies. Mm-hmm, that's right. And water treatment plant computer systems. <laughs> yeah. What are these fancy words you're using? What's an algorithm? <laughs> so it says Lanzara misappropriated hundreds of thousands of d- investor dollars using them to repay earlier investors during the Ponzi scheme and also to pay his personal expenses, including purchases on Amazon.com, 
payments to a luxury car dealer and a jewelry retailer, as well as golf expenses. Nice. At least you got some golf rounds in. That's right. Brennan, you know what this uh, article doesn't mention is when you're talking about stealing $900,000 or whatever the number was, is how much uh, sweet, sweet tang that translated into. Well, I think there's a motivating factor for any of these crimes, and it's almost always sweet, sweet tang. You know, I, I heard that uh, the, the mention of uh, luxury car dealers, uh, mm-hmm. you know, something tells me there's some uh, some uh, sweet, sweet tang involved in this story somewhere well, along the lines. If you steal $900,000 and there's no sweet, sweet tang, you're doing it the wrong way. That's right. To live by. A wallet lost in the 1970s found and returned to Kansas, man. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. How many prairie dog pelts were in it? <laughs> yeah. I didn't know they actually carried wallets. I just thought they had like a, a rag tied to a stick whenever they got onto their. <laughs> yeah. Yep. You got it. It's actually not a rag. It's a, it's a uh, bandana, but yeah. Yeah. You were close. Okay. Police in Great Bend shared a fun story this week. Someone in the community found a wallet at the Crest Theater in Great Bend and turned it into the police. The wallet contained several items, including a social security card and a driver's license that expired in 1974. Yeah, they didn't mention the opium pipe and switchblade, obviously. Well, just because a Kansans driver's license expired in 1974 does not mean he lost it in 1974. Most Kansans are driving with long, long expired licenses. <laughs> if they're licensed at all. Yeah, that's right. I mean, he could have lost it last week. And, Brennan, truthfully, do you need a license to drive an ox cart? I don't think you do. <laughs> not at those speeds. Police tracked down the owner, who now lives in Lawrence, Kansas, the man lost the wallet in the early 1970s. According to police, the owner was tickled and shared that he made the wallet himself. Of course he did. You can't find a prairie dog wallet on the open marketplace. <laughs> no, no, you sure can't. And that's the end of the story, Colin. That's uh, that's one of those stories that's like, well, the headline did it all, I guess. <laughs> well, you know that what they uh, don't tell you is he had to make his own wallet because you would have had to order it through the J.C. Penney catalog, yeah. the Sears catalog. Bridge too far. Even in 1974, they were still using like it was basically the 1900s. You know what I Sears th- catalog and order your order your wallet. I think the reason make my own. I think the reason he couldn't get another one was that he's like my wallet had the money and I need the money to buy the wallet. <laughs> I, and you know, it's a chicken and the egg situation. I ain't got no money because I ain't got no wallet, and I can't get no wallet if I ain't got no money. Yep, it's a dilly of a pickle. That's a Kansas way of thinking. Kansas man arrested for throwing caged poodle into river. Uh, <laughs> oh my god! This now is the most Kansas headline I've ever heard. <laughs> well, and, and I'm just going to tell you, Colin. Usually, if there's like a any sort of violence or something, someone dies or animal abuse. I don't really want to play those stories, even though they're much more prevalent than what we do play. But the dog, I just want to say the dog was fine. The dog got saved. The dog's rescued. But it, it should be noted that a Kansan thought it was a good idea to throw a caged poodle into a river. I tell you what, this is uh, one of those headlines that grabs me uh not since maybe the first season of the Zodcast, which has been ze- years ago, where like a, a guy was crushed by a tank. <laughs> well, I think the guy and, that uh, fucked a car was pretty good. <laughs> that's true the guy was this is like i remember going the guy getting crushed by a tank i'm like that's pretty well the how'd that happen and then uh crushing that guy yeah it's uh it's very kansas that's for sure and it, really colin if you think about it it's even more cruel than it sounds like because we know about kansas riverways and waterways being constantly poisoned and toxic yeah you're not just that dog's not going to just drown in water it's not drown in 
and basically human fecal matter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the water has a glow to it. I mean, Cleveland's rivers, which catch fire, are cleaner <laughs> than what Kansas is operating with. So the article starts out in the way that I always hate when these kind of articles start out. That was doggone close. That's <sighs> I mean, really, yeah. so disappointed in this it, person. I mean, somebody- really, did he... Does this person need to be around? <laughs> the, the writer of the story? or uh, Yeah, the, I mean, who, who wrote that headline? And can you truly make a, a, comp- a, a compelling argument that this human being brings something to this planet? I mean, he's writing a story about a guy who threw a poodle into a river, and he's like, this would be a great time to use my doggone pun. Um, yeah. <laughs> a Kansas man allegedly threw his girlfriend's caged poodle into the Missouri River after an argument between the couple. Witnesses at Riverfront Park in Leavenworth, Kansas, saw the poodle toss on Monday afternoon, and luckily a few good Samaritans jumped into action and saved the dog. Just your run-of-the-mill drowning defenseless animals, you know. To get back at your girlfriend. What better way to get back at my girlfriend than to drown her dog in a cage? (laughs) In in poisonous water. Well, they said the Missouri River, Brennan, so it might have been okay at least in that respect yeah we're looking for a glass half full yeah very humane of him the unidentified 24 year old man allegedly took two other dogs belonging to the girlfriend one was left with a relative and the chihuahua was found loose in a local park oh well at least he just he set that one loose i mean that story could have taken a really bad turn so he tried to drown one dog already (laughs) no kidding i mean i don't know what the poodle did to piss him off to get drowned but we have to assume that the chihuahua was at least sexually assaulted (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, when you were reading, I was like, uh, I was like, oh, 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 oh. I was just assuming it's gonna gonna go down that road. Gonna lead to him chucking a, a, a poodle into a wood chipper or something. <laughs> yeah, well, you got to worry about Kansas. Anytime there's any animals involved, there's likely a story that uh, there's going to be a finger and a weird furry butthole. Yeah, there's going to be it's going to be murder or rape. Mm-hmm. If there's a Kansas Kansan and an animal in a story together. That's right. And Colin, our final story of the day. This is a particularly sad story. Kansas played number 15 Oklahoma State in Stillwater over the weekend. And Kansas sitting at 1-7 and on the year. They didn't quite get over the hurdle. They couldn't quite beat Oklahoma State. They actually lost 55-3. to So, I just, I don't know what, at what point, like, if you're, Kansas, the school, you're just like, this program's expensive and it's, you know, destitute and let's just not do football anymore. Well, I'm sure they're going to make a lot of money now that they're just opening the gates and letting anyone in who wants to come. (laughs) Yeah. I just, I mean, really, honestly, though, I mean, when does a, when does a college decide that this just isn't, we're not going to do this anymore? Yeah. They don't know. This program has a failure to launch. I, I don't know. I mean, that's the thing, Colin. We are pretty bummed about this season for Mizzou football. And here we sit at four and four and a potential to maybe get one more win, I'd think. And Kansas is one and seven and its prospects are bleak for another win. They're likely to go one and 11. And that's pretty much a good season, I guess, for them because they do have a win. Yeah. Every once in a while, they sneak well, up and beat Texas. They've been so bad that I almost find myself rooting for them. <laughs> well, you do. You've kind of invested in them. Yeah. I- I've got ten dollars and seventy eight cents invested in these Jayhawks, so I, you know, obviously that investment means something to me. Yeah, that fifty cent. I could have bought a pack of cigarettes and a forty with that ten dollars. <laughs> That's true. The uh, fifty cent win bonus did not kick in for Kansas, shockingly. Unfortunately, it didn't. Well, maybe next week, Kansas. Maybe next week.
All right, Colin, that's uh, almost a show, but we've got a couple important awards to give out. It's obviously time for our TJ Mo Douche of the Week Award. Douche of the Week. You got any candidates this week for Douche of the Week? Well, Brennan, you mentioned a candidate to me before the show, and I think you're spot on. And do you want to do you want to tell us who your candidate was? <laughs> well, this was a late arrival, and I mean, it didn't happen this weekend. Well, I guess it did Sunday night after football was over. Uh, I, I saw a tweet. <laughs> I saw a tweet, Colin. Maybe you saw the same one. Some guy, I don't know who it is. It said it, I could tell I was on the back end of some conversation because he wrote, "Just to recap." The special teams coach at Texas, who played for Mike Price at Alabama, left his wife for a former stripper who went by the name of Pole Assassin. <laughs> that former stripper's pet monkey, who performed with her when she was the Pole Assassin, bit a kid on Halloween. And so <laughs> I was like, what? We got to look into that. We got to look <laughs> into this Brennan, more. Most people don't know, Brittany, is that uh, Pole Assassin is actually her given name. Her <laughs> nickname is... <laughs> Cock Demolisher. <laughs> That's right. So Cock Demolisher is apparently dating a, uh, <laughs> a Texas Longhorns assistant coach by the name of Jeff Banks. And uh, anyway, I guess he left his spouse to uh, date the pole assassin who then obviously had a monkey because why wouldn't she? Who then bit a kid. And then, <laughs> <laughs> and then I heard. Yeah, the, 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 uh, there were reportedly the. Like the the monkey's jaws had to be like ripped off of this kid's arm, like it was latched on there. <laughs> and, uh, and the best part is, Brendan, I don't know if this is true or not, but what I was seeing is that Pole Assassin, yep, was coming girl. to his defense on Twitter, being like, "It's my monkey. He's got nothing to do with yeah. it. The kid shouldn't have been in the backyard. He's not allowed back there. Yeah. There's biting monkeys that definitely uh, bites. Yeah. Oh, please don't go near the monkeys." <laughs> you know? yeah. And so. Anyway, yeah. he was she was making the situation a lot better. You know, I, I heard that her Twitter account had disappeared at some point today because she yeah, was, was making ill uh, <laughs> conceived <laughs> tweets that were rife with grammatical errors, as one might imagine. <laughs> the pole assassin isn't great with spelling. What? <laughs> well, or monkey care, really. Um, <laughs> yeah. But well, I, mean, I mean, in her defense, the kid shouldn't be back there with the obviously biting monkey. I just think maybe victim blaming a little kid who got bit on Halloween might not be a good look, you know? <laughs> well, you know, I don't know. I, I Like I said, the, the tweets are gone, but I was like, you know, there's a gate. The gate wasn't open, but the kid went through the gate, <laughs> went to the monkey cage where he didn't belong. No parent told me that. that yeah. bite. Yeah, a lot. <laughs> definitely body monkeys. Yeah, are you allowed to have monkeys in your backyard? Like, I don't know what city ordinances are like about monkey care, but I mean, I don't. Me. go for the face. <laughs> Maybe I'm missing the point. <laughs> that though. is a Simpsons reference. If you are old enough to get it, go for the face. But uh, Colin, yeah, it's. I mean, there's so many levels, so many layers to this onion and oh i just i'm ready for the uh the write-up maybe i hope by the midweek show there somebody has done just a full autopsy of this coach how this relationship was born and how this child was violently bit by a monkey can we talk about how fucking happy the coach's ex-wife is right now that this is all coming to light i mean you know she's done nothing but talk to her friends about what a trashy fucking whore he's dating now and <laughs> Now the pole assassin is dealing well, with a public monkey bite. You'd think that uh, the fact that uh, it's a, she's a stripper would be, uh, 
you know, a damning enough look, but, yeah. but you know, mm-hmm. a, a stripper with a army of flesh eating monkeys. <laughs> that's just, I'm going to, I'm going to jump to that conclusion is yeah. even worse. Well, it's kind of the, the short straw in the divorce barrel, I imagine. <laughs> I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that she's probably training a horde of biting monkeys to be her unruly army of the night. I mean, she may have a monkey because it's the only person or only thing that would hang out with her. You know, like Jesus Christ. Yeah, she seems like a sweet gal. From what I know about monkey care, which is not much, admittedly, uh, they're impossible <laughs> to own because it's imagine like having a cat with thumbs. You know what I mean? Just like yeah. <laughs> can get into fucking anything. It's going to get horny and try to fuck you or bite you. And yeah. uh, it's, it seems like a terrible thing. And nobody has the capability, I think, or the responsibility that it takes to raise a monkey properly, much less pole assassin. Yeah. They're, yeah. She's, pole assassin is not is not the responsible monkey owner <laughs> monkey owner that you would hope that she would be Brennan. Yeah. I mean, that's just, listen, we're going to have to live with that disappointment as, as fans we'll call of it, pole assassin, you know, probably she's going to have to give up this monkey. And I'm just thinking in the college football universe, is there anybody that you think would, you would trust most with a monkey? Because the first person that comes to my mind is Mike Leach. I feel like he'd be an excellent Certainly monkey. Not owner. Jim McCoy. <laughs> no, no. Although I think the Keep fur that would monkey t- away from Jim McElwain. Whatever you do, good lord, Colin. I think the fur would turn him off. He's more into scales. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I think Mike Leach would would he jump a at- tough, like sort of skin that feels like the, like a cat's tongue more than the soft fur of a monkey. Say <laughs> that's what we're getting at. Yeah, um, but but Colin, Mike Leach. I mean, I feel like not only would he be a good monkey owner he'd be an enthusiastic monkey owner you know what i mean he'd jump at the opportunity to own a monkey i feel like the sitcom writes itself <laughs> well now you're talking about sitcoms it makes me think well maybe sam Pittman needs a monkey <laughs> yeah sure sure i don't know i i mean i think it is a battle sam between the monkey <laughs> sam it's gold sam Pittman or mike leach i think it's a battle for who's the most monkey ownable sure, yeah. no, no 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 i've got it okay we'll do like a two and a half men only it's Two and a half coaches and a monkey, or two coaches and a monkey, or half of a monkey. I don't know how. I don't know how big the monkey is. I, just, I don't know. But Mike Leach, Sam Pittman, and a monkey living together yeah. is a sitcom that I'll watch, and that CBS CBS will order ten episodes of immediately. <laughs> and they have to sneak their way into fraternity for some reason. <laughs> yeah, you know. Or they're uh, they they pose as British butlers to get college scholarships or something. It seems like an eighty. I just I feel like maybe it's Sam Pittman and um, Mike Leach are a couple, okay, and of reti- and they're retired zoologists, and they've brought home their favorite monkey. And so it's just these mm-hmm. kooky, um, kooky uh, retired gay men raising uh, their special monkey, okay, in their twilight years. I mean, I feel like that's gold. That's Did- a slice of fried gold right there, CBS. <laughs> Do you think that there's a spot for pole assassin on the show in any capacity? Brennan, if we know anything about terrible sitcoms, it's that somebody who's way too attractive is going to be involved with these unattractive men in some way. Yeah, well, you made them gay, so it's going to be tough. Well, they could be the she could be the quirky neighbor who wears you know midriff tops, or mm-hmm. you know, there's always some you know see see Big Bang Theory. There's a hot chicken. How about this, Colin? How about, I've got an idea. There's a neighbor couple. 
and it's actually Brett Bielema and Pole Assassin as his wife. I think I like better Pole Assassin being sort of a more um, Mr. Furley type character. Sure. Okay. Maybe their landlord. She, maybe she's the, yeah, there you go. I like that. <laughs> Pole Assassin has taken her money and she hasn't you know, pissed the way she's, she's bought an apartment complex because she doesn't want to be a pole assassin forever. She wants to be a little landlord at some point. You know? There's so, no rule that says you can't be a stripper and fiscally conservative. Sure. And so she's going to buy, she buys his apartment building. She's using her stripping funds to pay it off. And when it's paid off, she's just going to live as a landlord. She's, she's a thinker, this pole assassin. And she, <laughs> anyway, that's how, that's how you end up with her as Sam Pittman and uh, Mike Leach's, you know, landlord in this, monkey-driven comedy. Sure. The, for, as these two gay former zoologists live there <laughs> with their with their pet monkey, who's also retired. With a pole dancer for a landlord. That's right. Okay. Well, I'm not going to lie to you. That's a slice of fried gold. I don't care who you're asking. Anybody listening to this, if they're still listening to this show, um, don't write this down and send it to anybody. This is ours. <laughs> yeah. We're claiming it. If you're still if you're still listening, because we would not blame you if you haven't, because we have gone far afield. Yeah. Do you want to give a name for the show, Colin, or do you want to leave that to the listeners and Twitter? <laughs> oh man, I tell you what, I uh, I'd love to see what the um, what the listeners could come up with for the name of this sitcom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you know what else? Uh, congratulations, Paul and you're the douche of the week. Douche of the week. <laughs> Boy, that went off the rails. <laughs> yeah, this is not what I expected. But yeah, all right. there we go. Yeah, and now I guess we move on to Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game. That's right. We call it the uh, Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game Award, but I think at this point we can just call it the uh, the Tyler Beatty Award. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and and for the eleven hundredth time, Tyler Beatty, you are the Kirk Farmer's Hair Player of the Game. <laughs> Yeah, it was. A, that's an easy call. I mean, the only question yeah. is, well, do we give it to Mevis because he's unstoppable as well? But my God, Tyler he's still Beatty, a kicker. you know, he's still yeah. a kicker. <laughs> he's still a kicker, always will be. But a tremendous kicker. But don't get me wrong. That's not. He's not. He's not Tyler Beatty. I I tweeted about that on the game day. Like you know, I said, uh, you know, Beatty's the best player on the roster, and it's not close. Mm-hmm. And most people were just like, well, duh. You know, pretty obvious statement. But I did have a handful of people being like, Mevis, Mevis, Mevis. <laughs> Mevis would like a word with you. I'm just like. Okay, he's a good player. Oh, okay. Let's amend that. Even he's a good kicker. Mm-hmm. I agree. I like Mevis. He's a really good kicker, and he'll win us football games. Don't get me wrong. I don't want to belittle him too much, but he's still a kicker. Yeah. And uh, you know, I'm not going to put him in the same air as Tyler Beatty. Well, the, here's and a- neither will the NFL. <laughs> <laughs> you need only look where they'll be drafted to uh, to tell which one is doing you know a more important beast. Yeah, like I said, Tyler Betty had 254 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, and then obviously another 40 through the air. Tremendous effort by Tyler Betty. We lean on him so much. And and then, you know, the thing about Harrison Mevis is, Colin, when we got, do you remember when we got Tucker McCann and he was like the first kicker that Missouri oh, I had? I said, Tucker McCann. <laughs> yeah, it was the first kicker that we had, I think, offered a scholarship to out of high school. And we had really high hopes for him. And the first thing he did was just like miss three straight extra point kicks, you know, and he, he, he turned out to be a decent enough kicker, but he was certainly not the reliable. Yeah. He had a rough start and he was not, you know, he's not in the NFL. Let's put it that way. And then Harrison Mevis kind of sneaks onto campus and all the fucking kid does is like boot long field goals and extra points. No matter what kind of circumstance you put him, you can try to ice him no matter what you do. 
Uh, it doesn't work. Mevis is going to fucking wish, get you three. I wish the student government, in addition to uh, on on campus, would force Mevis to wear cut off jean shorts like Daisy Duke from Dukes of Hazard when he's anytime he's on campus. Like it should be required because I just want to see that badunka dunk, you know, bopping and banging down the sidewalk. The thicker kicker's got it going on. Yeah, that's right. He's got curves in all the right places. <laughs> oh, no, I'm at, he'd drive the ladies wild. <laughs> so, Colin. Missouri's going to Athens, Georgia on Saturday. And like I said, we're 38, 39 point underdog, 11 a.m. kickoff. Like, what do you, what's your attitude going into this? I mean, we know the outcome, but let's like, don't get hurt. Don't embarrass yourself. Like, I feel like we are going to embarrass ourselves. We just know it. Really, you said it all. Don't embarrass yourself. I mean, I think that is a, it's not to be glib, but that's, that's what you want to do in this game. That's your greatest expectation is should make a decent showing. Well, and I think not going to win. You know what you can do though is not embarrass us all as Mizzou fans, because the bar is that low. Just just don't embarrass yourself. That if Macon is the starting quarterback on Saturday, that's helpful to him. That like (laughs) we are expecting you to lose by fifty. So if you don't do that, consider it a moral victory. That's it's got to take a little pressure off. I hope. I I feel bad for Beatty because I mean, imagine watching the tape on Mizzou and be like, well, there's one thing on this team that we need to worry about. And he wears number one. Mm-hmm. He's number one problem. He wears number one. And then basically don't think about anything else. You know, I would, mm-hmm. if I was Kirby Smart, I'd be like, you don't have to know their quarterback's name. You don't have to, you don't even have to know what state Mizzou plays in. I don't care. All I need you to know is that they have one problem and his name is Tyler Beatty and you better eat his lunch. That's all you need to That's worry about. That's what I worry about. Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, there's, you don't need to know anything else about this team except that stop number one. Yeah. And, and they, I think that they probably will manage to do that because we've seen in the past teams that have a good defensive line, Beatty just doesn't have any hold to operate in. You know what I mean? Like he's gotten stuffed yeah. in the back of the, uh, behind the line of scrimmage before simply because his own offensive line is pushing him backwards because they're getting pushed backwards. And well, and, and fully Georgia expect Georgia. The best defensive line. The yeah. That's best f- defensive line in the country. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. I fully expect Georgia to be able to do that. So it's going to be a long, rough day. And I think Drinkwitz knows that he's just going to have to endure at least two of the final three weeks or four weeks of the season just to get through because it's all about 2022 at this point. And I think the proof will start to be in the pudding next year. We saw what what Mizzou really looks like when they're really at the bottom this year. And if they don't show significant improvement with both really good recruits and a year to fix things, then, uh, you know, who knows? Drinkwitz could be on a hot seat quick. Next season. <laughs> yeah, I think Drinkowitz is going to take a, you know, he's going to get beat up by the bully this year, but hopefully at some point he's going to grow up and he's going to, he, he might get to get the bully back. But it reminds me of a story about Co- Cowboy Cody for our Patreon uh, followers. And then mm-hmm. <laughs> I remember Cody telling me about getting, I don't know, he was like a, he was like a manager for the high school basketball team or something. Yeah, he's a friend of ours <laughs> if you're not a Patreon or a Cowboy Cody. Yeah, I don't know why I'm digressing this way, but one of the uh, high school players kicked him in the nuts on, on the basketball team. And like, he's, he said like one day I'm going to be bigger and stronger than you. I'm going to kick your fucking ass. And, and like to this day, he's still grinding that ax. And he's like, if I ever see that guy, I'm going to whip his fucking ass. You know, I wonder if that guy's walking around me and like, God, I hope I don't pop around the corner. And Cody kicks me in the nuts. Well, this guy is that lives in Belgium now. So I think it's going to be safe to say that Cody's not going to find him, but yeah, I'm Cody just, can't even spell Belgium. 
it always <laughs> it always tickled me that uh, that he's just waiting to see this guy. You know, yeah. and one, if he and if he does, like no questions asked, he's going to whip the guy's ass on sight. The guy won't have any idea because he doesn't probably even remember it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like won't know who he is. <laughs> It'll just be this big burly stranger coming at him, yeah. whip his fucking ass. <laughs> well, we at the anyway, Mazar- I'm hoping. Long story long, that that's Drinkowitz. Drinkowitz <laughs> is going to get kicked in the nuts <laughs> this weekend, and at some point he's going to come back and whip Kirby Smart's ass. <laughs> We at the Mazadcast endorse long, petty grudges, by the way. <laughs> yes, we do. So here's hoping for the nut kicking, Colin. M-I-Z. <laughs> Z-O-U. I ain't got no money because I ain't got no wallet, and I can't get no wallet if I ain't got no money.